Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Pilot's Pandemic Podcast. You're here with your host, Emma, and our lovely, most beautiful, gorgeous co-host, Maddie. Hey, y'all. And this week we are joined with our guest, Mitchell Banks. Hi, Mitchell. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. So we always start the top of the episode by asking people how they got into aviation or what ignited that passion. Sure. Yeah. Um, For me, I've really always been around it. Um, I'm a third generation pilot. My grandfather flew B-25s in World War II. Uh, my dad was a private pilot, um, and he actually had a development uh, kind of centered around aviation as well. So um, it's always been something that I've known and been passionate about and uh, got introduced to it at an early age. That's awesome. I think um, all of us can kind of relate to that because we, as as you know, Emma and I both have dads who are in aviation, so they inspired us as well. Um, and I like how they, our families can pass that passion down to us. Um, but the reason that we wanted to speak with you today, Mitchell, is because we know you've been waiting a really long time to get back in the sky because you are waiting to get your medical back. And that's why you're on the show today. Um, so can you give our audience like a clue into what started you down the special insurance pathway for your medical? Yeah, definitely. Um, and yes, it has been a long time. I was actually looking back at my, um, communication with the FAA and I hit five years, um, in March 21st, I think. Um, so it's, it's been a long journey. Uh, for me, I got into aviation early on, like I mentioned, um, really started down the pathway to get my private, not until I, uh, went to college. Um, I was at Embry-Riddle in Daytona, um, and got my medical there um, and actually left Riddle um, before I got my private complete. So um, went and did some other stuff for work for a little while and then um, actually just hit a really low point in my life. So uh, just generally unhappy with where I was living and the job I was in and relationships and stuff like that. Um, Went to kind of seek help for that, did some inpatient care treatment for, for mental health Um, But once I got out, I really kind of found my purpose again in aviation and and returned to finish my private um, and really didn't know all the ins and outs of reporting to the FAA, um, anything to do with mental health and all that. My original medical was still good from when I had initially started training. Um, So I actually completed my private after uh, my treatment and flew for several years after that. Um, And then when that private lapsed and I went to uh, get it renewed, um, that's when I kind of went through the list of the FAA medical and saw the check boxes for um, self-reporting mental health treatment um, and not knowing the path that that was going to send me down, obviously check those boxes. um, And that's kind of what started this whole ordeal for me. Mm -hmm. It's pretty crazy to me that you, you know, sought your treatment and then returned back to flying and flew safely, were was able to, you know, get everything done. And then you kind of hit this block after that. Um, it's always interesting to me that like 
they have issues with certain things. And I understand why they, the system is the way it is to keep people safe. But it's interesting that, you know, you were able to fly for all that amount of time with no issues. And now you're having this hold up over something that happened a while back that doesn't seem to be affecting you anymore. But what were your feelings like when you went to renew your medical? Did you know, were you familiar, which I guess kind of going back on your last answer, it seems like you weren't very familiar with that road ahead or self-reporting. So when you began that process, were you upbeat or did you kind of sense that it was going to be a tough battle? Yeah. I mean, I, I really had no idea. Um, I don't know if upbeat's the right word. Cause I, I didn't realize how difficult it could be for people. Um, I just thought it was a, another checkbox on the list. And I know um, some things the FAA takes issues with, some things they don't seem to have much of a concern about. Um, so I didn't really know where mental health fell in that spectrum. Um, and I didn't even really know that it would be like an instant denial uh, to check those boxes at that time. Um, so going into it, I would say I was ignorant more than anything. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of like the norm is to not know because it's kind of just like you have to do a lot of research to understand the process. I mean, even as I was getting in and starting the podcast with Emma, I was like, I have a lot to like learn about this process and constantly learning new things from different pilots who have gone through the aeromedical process, especially like with you. I am still appalled that you are still waiting and it's been five years like that is something that's very different from any other pilot that we've spoken with. Um, so for you, like, I can probably guess what's been the hardest part for you, but I was just wondering what has been the hardest part for you for the FAA's aeromedical system? Has it been the time, the cost, or kind of like the lack of transparency and not knowing if you're going to get your medical back? Yeah, um, lack of transparency for sure. I mean, the the time is definitely concerning, and really, until I talked to you guys, I I don't think I understood how much of an outlier my case was, considering it was just a a one time event, and um, you know, the treatment I sought was relatively minor from what I've heard from others. Um, but lack of transparency and really lack of communication for me, it's it's been increasingly difficult to get a hold of anybody at the FAA that can give me an answer as to, you know, what do I need to do next? Where am I at in the process? Um, you know, early on, you used to be able to call the aeromedical department and talk to somebody on the phone. And I did for my first few communications with them. Um, but really, since COVID, it, you can't even get through to anybody. So it's all written letters. Um, you know, you send out the weather, the letter kind of into the void, and then you're waiting several months to hopefully get a reply back. Um, and you don't even know if they got or read your, your communication to begin with. Um, and I want to make it clear that I don't fault the staff at the FAA for that. The people that I have communicated with, I think are doing their best, um, in a really broken system and with very limited resources. Um, and I think it's just kind of the system as a whole needs a, a rework. Oh, definitely. I, I totally agree with you. Like, I think that's the hard part for the FAA is they think like we're singling them out and like saying, oh, it's, you know, your fault. But like, obviously they don't have a lot of resources um, there at their medical system um, at the FAA. So I think it's, it's hard because you want to blame someone, but I think, like you said, it's like the system as a whole totally needs to be redone. And 
And that's the hard part is like changing that is such a slow, slow process. Yeah. I wanted to kind of go back on the five-year thing because as Manny had mentioned, like we have not spoken to anyone who's like had to wait for that long. And it's just mind blowing to me. Um, I have a question though, that we didn't write down when you Mm -hmm. went to go to reapply for your medical, renew your medical, were you renewing your third class? Um, at that point, I think I was applying for a third class. Yes. Um, I know recently I've heard from several people that, um, some evaluators at the FAA have been giving priority to first class. So I, I wonder if I would have had an easier time if I had gone that route. Um, but since I was really just looking to have my private to kind of fly for my own enjoyment, that wasn't at the top of my mind at the time. You know, yeah. one of the things like that I wanted to point out that I actually read on Reddit, and I don't know if I told you this in our phone call before, but um, there was a guy who was also like seeking a special assistance for SSRI. And he said that it was easier for him to speak to the regional FAA office and get um, like a confirmation that they've gotten the paperwork rather than going straight to the source. Mm. So that might be something helpful as well. Yeah, that's good info. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if kind of going back to what you said, I wonder like if the reason why it has taken so long is because it you reapplied for a third class, which... To me, I understand why they, you know, prioritize the first class because those are the people who most of the time it's people who are working commercially, making money. So I understand it. But at the same time, it's it's just mind blowing to me to have to make wait someone make someone wait five years is just way too long of a time to make someone wait, especially when your third class medical. It really it's just. I don't know. I've always been of of the opinion that there's not much harm, you know what I mean, that you can do. It's kind of like you're responsible for yourself and you've kind of shown that you've been responsible and safe. So that's yeah. just crazy like, to me. As we talked about, I mean, 80 to 90 percent of my log time was after my um, inpatient care. So, yeah. Yeah. So is there anything that you wish that you would have done differently, like steps that you feel like you didn't know about, but they may have expedited your process? Sure. Um, You know, in in retrospect, yeah, with the information I have now, um, there were definitely probably pathways that could have made it easier for me. Um, At the time it all started, I would say information was even more limited than it is now um, in terms of how to kind of navigate this pathway with them. Um, So I think I did the best I could with the information I had at the time. It was still extremely difficult to find AMEs that dealt with this kind of stuff. It was extremely difficult to find um, psychological evaluators that uh, the FAA kind of accepted. Um, So it it was a tough road uh, with limited resources. Um, You know, looking back on it, it would have been nice to kind of find an examiner more quickly and push the FAA a little harder to speed up the process, just knowing that now post-COVID things have gotten even more difficult and their resources are even more limited. Um, And now with the kind of pilot surge at the commercial level and them giving priority to those first-class medicals, it's so hard to find a a slot in their schedule to fit in a third class. Mm -hmm. 
our favorite snack from our favorite female aviator. Avinola packs so much flavor that there are endless possibilities of concoctions that you can make with this granola. You guys, we are talking about recipes like mini keto cupcakes, tropical avinola collagen smoothies, buckwheat avinola cakes, avinola parfaits, and even chocolate granola bark. Go to the avinola Instagram page at avi under slash foods under slash co. That's at avi under slash f-o-o-d-s under slash c-o to get your hands on these recipes and order yourself some delicious granola made by a female aviator. Use code PILOTSPANDEMIC for 15% off your order. Frustrating. Yeah, I feel like even those with the first class medicals that are waiting, they're still waiting over a year to also get there. So all around, I feel like everybody's getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, um, which is insane. I, I feel fortunate that I don't rely on my medical for income. Um, yeah. The people that do, I can't imagine the stress that they have to deal with. Yeah, I think, um, well... I really think everyone faces that like identity crisis as a pilot doesn't matter if you're flying commercially or or just privately um but I definitely think that if you're doing it for a career and your your family relies on you that that can be definitely a huge burden to to bear um but for you since you've been waiting 5 years and patiently waiting at that what have you done in the interim to keep yourself busy like where do you find purpose that, now that you're not flying um, yeah, I mean, I have a, a really great job that I love that, um, you know, my company has a major aviation component to it. So I do still get to spend a lot of time around airplanes, um, actually help with uh, kind of manage our drone department. So um, not quite the same. I don't have the same passion for drones as I do man flight, but um, we do have a, a manned aviation department with uh, airplanes and helicopters. So um, sometimes I'll just walk out in the hangar and sit with the planes for a little while and enjoy it that way. Um, still go to as many air shows and museums and events as I can um, and just kind of try to stay involved in the community. Yeah, I love that you're able to work kind of within the industry. Um, a lot of people, I feel like don't either they're not able to find an opportunity or they just don't realize that there are opportunities that exist out there that you can work alongside aviation without being a pilot. So I think it's awesome that you've been able to incorporate and keep that in your life in that way. But um, did you have like any support systems when you were going through this, um, struggling through trying to get your medical, I know you had mentioned like you have family, um, in aviation, did mm -hmm. any of your family members, were they familiar with this process? Um, and I'm just kind of curious, like, I know we don't have this written down, but like, what were their thoughts? Um, none of them knew the process was what it was, um, and that it would be so difficult. Uh, my parents have been really great and supportive and trying to help however they can. Um, my dad more so since he has the pilot background, but he obviously had no idea that this was even a thing you had to deal with, with the FAA. He's just as shocked as anybody else that's taken this long and that the communication is so slow. Um, I also have friends that are in aviation, um, some military, some civilian, they've all been extremely supportive. Um, it's not something I really advertise to everybody. So the people that know, know, and the people that don't, 
I don't really know if they need to, um, but the ones that know have been really awesome at just staying by my side, encouraging me, you know, telling me to keep pushing, keep trying, um, and that I'll, I'll get through it in the end. That's awesome. Yeah, it always helps to have that support system. I think it makes it um, a little bit easier to bear when you have someone there to say you're going to you're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. So um, but if you could make a change, which I feel like I already know what you're going to say, because we kind of talked about this earlier. But if you could make a change to the air medical process, what would you change and why would you change it? Can we say all of it? yeah I mean it, it it's obviously an antiquated system like we talked about um they're not taking advantage of the technology that's available to them and that's just a government organization for you um in my in my work I work with a lot of them and they're all just as slow and inefficient as the FAA is um so that's part of it it's just systematic um I think there's generally a poor understanding of mental health and how it affects people's ability to operate. Obviously there's an entire range of different things that could affect somebody. Um, But I think there's certain uh, pieces and um, I guess segments of mental health that don't necessarily need the scrutiny that they all kind of get blanketed under Um, And and for some of those, I think self-reporting should not be an instant grounding of the pilot. I think if you're willing to step forward and say, hey, I'm having this kind of issue, I'm working through it, the FAA should recognize that as you being proactive, you being responsible, and allow you to keep flying while you're dealing with um, seeking treatment and you're getting evaluated, and maybe you do have to send some of those evaluations to them. But to just blanket say, okay, you can't fly until you go through these 17 steps or 70 steps or however many we throw your way, um, just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Yeah, it's super frustrating because everything that we know about mental health today, like everything is very much on a spectrum. Um, but the way that they view it, it's very blanket statement like depression means you're depressed and it's like it's the way that they you know categorize it it's like crippling depression like the most severe depression you could have um Mm -hmm. but that's just not the case everyone struggles on a very vast spectrum when it comes to a lot of things like that i mean anxiety is one of them that's like super common that a lot of people struggle with like i would say most everyone like if you don't have anxiety good for you but um (laughs) most people have anxiety and it's like to think that if you were to report something like that that you're putting your medical at risk and could be grounded immediately is crazy to me um and for me it was aviation was always my escape from all that stuff um it's the thing i could set my mind to something else and get it away from the things that were bothering me um, and just focus in on the thing that I really love to do. Yeah. And yeah that's... And that's what every aviator we talk to says. They're like, this is the one thing where I am focused on just flying. My mind is not in another place. I'm not in an anxious state, not in a depressed state. This is like my happy place. And I think that like Emma said, I'm so glad you pointed that out is like the way that the FAA understands mental health I feel like they just draw like this crazy conclusion of, oh, if you're anxious or depressed, you're going to harm someone. And 
I I know that German wings has been the reason they've stigmatized mental health, but gosh, we're so far from that now. And I wish they would, you know, realize that it's okay if you're struggling with your mental health. And like you said, Mitchell, which I love that you pointed out too, is that if an aviator is, is seeking help and telling the FA, I do believe too that they should be able to fly because that right there is saying that you care about yourself and your well-being. And so that means you'll probably care about the people in the plane as well if you're carrying passengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for for sharing that because I think it was a great point that needed to be made. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But my last question for you is, are you still hopeful that you'll receive your medical, even though it's been five years? I hope that you say yes, but I do want your honest answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a frustrating system and it's taken a long time, but I was blessed with my father's patience or stubbornness, however you look at it. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm just not going to stop until I'm flying again, however long it takes. Yeah. I, you know, the one thing that I always think about, it's, it's, it's a big, long life that you got ahead. Um, so just keep on trying. I always tell people like, you just, I feel like everything that Maddie and I have gone through, we know very well that like life is short. Um, and you never really know when that'll end for you. So I always tell people like, just keep on pushing to do what you want to do and what you're trying to succeed in doing um because you never really know and i always say die trying <laughs> so i i love that you're still hopeful because a lot of people get super burnout um after a year or two so keep on pushing and i think eventually you will get it i think we are starting to see progress like slowly like little little micro bits of progress but i'm hopeful that there will be change soon like in the next five years i'm hopeful that we'll start to see some forward progression but i hope that your case gets the the spotlight that it needs i'm just it's still really baffling to me that you you haven't gotten your medical back because i'm just like what the hell like did they lose like where's the piece of paper like it's like when the mailman loses your package and it's in between the seat and they can't find it and then like years later they finally find it when they're going to clean out the car and they deliver the piece of paper or whatever it is years later that is what this feels like like where did that piece of paper get lodged in or lost that it's just not getting looked at um And I had that exact experience. I actually had uh, one of my evaluators um, call her contact at the FAA. Um, I had submitted my most recent, all the documentation they'd asked for um, in August of last year and um, kind of reached out to her in February and said, hey, still heard anything? Can you see what's up? And she called them and said that uh, we don't see the report. Sorry, it's not in our system. It's like, okay, guys, <laughs> can we figure something out here? Jeez. Oh my gosh. Well, I really, really hope that you hear something soon and obviously keep us in the loop. We'd love to like have you back on once you do have some progress or finally get some news. Um, We did have one guest on previously who was kind of struggling and then was able to get their medical back and we kind of had them back on for a short little like return and just a little update. So I hope that we can have you on soon with an update. That's a good update. Yeah, definitely. Um, and again, I appreciate what both of you guys are doing. I think it's uh, overlooked how important it is. 
Um, obviously, in, in our circles, we we see the issues, but I think the broader aviation community is still maybe a little in the dark about how difficult this process is for people. So um, bravo to you guys for keeping pushing. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, and thank you for coming on the show because it does take um, a lot of courage to be able to talk out about this thing. And it definitely helps in breaking down the stigma. So thank you for your contribution because it helps more than you can imagine. But Maddie, do you want to roll into these fun questions? Yeah, let's do it. Let's them. do it. Okay, so Mitchell, I'll ask you first. Who's your aviation idol or someone in aviation who inspires you? Um, I think I have a lot. Uh, my grandfather is probably the number one. I think he was maybe the the key person that really got me excited about aviation. Um, some of the old school icons, you know, Bob Hoover, uh, James Doolittle, Amelia Earhart, Chuck Yeager, um, all those pioneers of the old days. But I'm also very appreciative of newer folks that are bringing new people to aviation. Um, I spend a lot of time on YouTube. So um, anyone doing aviation related content in that space, they're trying to get new people in, um, Mover, Josh Flowers, Jason Chappert, um, all of those guys are just doing a great service to the industry, I think. Those are some good ones. What about you, Emma? I definitely have to say um, my pops and then, I, you know, who would be be without Miss Amelia Earhart? I, when I was little, I was absolutely obsessed with her. So I know that feels so basic, but I really have to give her a shout out. My girl, Miss Amelia. <laughs> the number one. Um, I would say, so my dad obviously is the one who inspired me to kind of go down the aviation pathway. Um, so I'll give him the credit. But I also will say like female aviators are really inspiring to me. I don't have like obviously just one. So Emma, <laughs> you've inspired <laughs> me obviously. Um, but I think a lot of the females that we've met just through the work that we've done who have been on the podcast have been really inspiring for me um, just because I know that they faced a lot of barriers. So just seeing someone who looks like me is nice and is very motivating to want to, you know, be inspired by flying. Um, oh, but, yeah. So next question I have is what was the hardest concept for you to grasp when you were learning to fly? And I'll start with you, Mitchell. Definitely NDB uh, navigation. I still don't know if I completely understand that. And I don't even know if they still teach it. <laughs> what is it? What does that stand for? Uh, non-directional beacon. Okay. Um, God, I'm scared. So it's like <laughs> a worse version of VOR nav. I was okay. just about to say mine, mine was the VOR and that I don't even know if we touched on that. We had to have, but that's how much you, you could tell I really retained that. Um yeah. <laughs> but I I really struggle with um uh, I can't really remember. It was like a VOR, it was like you did it was like a like a half circle. You would do a circle and you would tune in and dial into like like this is I feel like the name starts with an R like radial that's not even mm -hmm. a word but like it's like basically you would tune into you know a degree off of the VOR and then you would literally fly a perfect circle using the needles of your VOR um if I'm remembering this correctly and I believe I did do that in my private pilot training and that was super hard for me to understand anything to do with the VOR was honestly such a pain in the ass <laughs> yeah i'm very thankful for gps 
<laughs> I was like, you guys are really getting me excited. I start my first lesson tomorrow. So uh, I don't really have a response to the hardest concept. Um, I'm really like taking in like all that I can. And right now everything seems hard. So yeah. yeah. In the beginning, it was definitely landing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's that's one of those things that you just do not get until you get it. It's like a one day it just clicks and then you're good for the rest of time. I'm just thinking I'll have a I feel like I'll be good at landing. I have great depth perception because I'm a basketball player. So I feel like I might be OK at landing, but who knows? You it's good feel to it, man. overly confident, I think. So I'm going to be confident about landing. But yeah. um, I well, we did steep turns the other day. He, my CFI was like, "Let's just do it on your intro flight," and I, I did not like that. So yeah, no, Ugh. those are <laughs> not fun. A in the B, maintaining them, like maintaining your altitude and everything, is a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I don't like this. He's like, "Okay, get us out of it." Like, yes, sir. <laughs> here we go. It's like the one thing that like, I know a lot of people struggle with that. Like, that's the one thing on your check ride that like a lot of people fail because um they bust their, well, I guess in your instruments, your minimums or whatever, but um you bust your altitude. Like, I think, it, is it 50 feet or a hundred feet? I can't remember. Mitchell, you might be able to, is it a hundred? Yeah. Commercial might be 50. I got you. But yeah, no, that's a hard one. When you do that in your check ride, that is like literally you hold your breath or at least I did I held my breath the entire time (laughs) (laughs) he's like please make it work literally all right well we'll move on to the last one I could literally sit here and chit chat about flying because it's like I'm living vicariously through Maddie at this moment (laughs) (laughs) um okay so last one is favorite aviation movie or book Ooh. uh other than Top Gun I think that's the (laughs) default (laughs) <laughs> not uh, for emma oh really really i have an aversion i have an aversion to talk about. i don't oh, know what no. it is i it's just not my thing fa- it's it's not my favorite it's really not and i don't know but i am like a okay this is how you know i'm a snob because i was about to say i'm a film snob and what person refers to movies as fucking film. films <laughs> <laughs> me <laughs> uh no like i can enjoy a west anderson film that's how you know like so just top top gun isn't in my wheelhouse yeah i mean it's it wasn't oscar bait for sure um no, but, but it, it's, it's so a fun great. movie i think other than that i really like american made Ooh. okay now now you're talking now you're talking <laughs> really really that is a great movie that's a really really good movie but right. Film snob, what's your favorite? I know, I'm trying to think. I'm like really racking my brain. Honestly, you know, there really aren't a lot of good aviation movies. Oh my God, I'm like losing my voice right now. <laughs> there, It's like my dad is like coming up from the, he's like choking me out right now. He's like, take it back. There are good aviation movies. Um, yes. I honestly, I cannot think of any of them. Like I loved, um... I've said this before, and it's not an aviation movie, but uh, Pearl Harbor is really, really good. And I think the cinematography that they have with the airplanes is awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. There's one that I absolutely love, and it's kind of like a spinoff of um, 
of Top Gun, but it's basically I'm, it's gonna it's gonna eat me up if I can't figure out the name. Maddie, you go next because I literally I'm googling the name of this damn movie. The okay. plot is so um, good though. Mine just because I watched it like most recently and I love Tom Hanks is solely was a great movie. Um, but I also really like the show Pan Am. There's only like one season of Pan Am, but a oh, great show. Um, so those are my two. I'm sure I have obviously I love Top Gun, like my millennial heart can just like eat up Top Gun any day. Uh but yeah, that would be my other one, solely because it's just iconic. I, Sully was a really, really good movie. I'll give it to them. I mean, they did a yeah. very good job with Sully, but I did find the name and all I had to type into um, Google was airplane movie with son and dad. Iron Eagle, 1986, okay. Iron Eagle. It is such, that is a fantastic movie. Like Maddie says, I don't like traditional like plot lines in movies, <laughs> but this is a very traditional movie. And I love it. I think it's a really good movie. It, it for me, it blew Top Gun out of the water. I love that. Oh, that hurts. Hurts me. To <laughs> I know. I probably shouldn't say that to both of y'all because now, like, you're gonna watch it with such a like high bar. But it was, in my opinion, but I really liked it. It's very sentimental, and I think they have a the first one, and I think there's a second one. So if you need a like little movie day um for you know like a little rainy day movie day and you need two movies that's a good one definitely watch it good picks On all right well i think is that our last question it show is mm-hmm. okie dokie folks well that is all for this week's episode mitchell thank you so much again for joining us um this was a blast and i'm just glad that we were able to bring you on Mitchell and I have been communicating over Instagram for gosh knows like almost two years now I think I think I got in touch with you right when I started the petition um we started messaging so I'm really glad that I was able to bring you on the show because you've been a longtime supporter so I appreciate you very much yeah happy to help and appreciate you guys and, and what you're doing um and again anything else i can do to help um hopefully i have a positive update can come back on soon um but it was great talking to both of you yes thank you all right y'all well again that is it for this week's episode as always remember to keep the blue side up and the brown side down we'll see y'all next week <laughs>